It's the Alexandra and Friends podcast, and we're covering the everyday issues of life, health, and wealth. And as always, we have a great panel of experts with us. Here is your host, Alexandra Fincher. You're listening to Alexandra Friends 660 The Answer. Courtney and I are having so much fun today because V's not here, and we are going to struggle her because she's in Cancun having too much too many margaritas and really we enjoying miss herself. V. We she'll miss be, her. We she'll miss be her. upset to think that we did not oh, miss no, her. We we're miss happy her. she's gone. We're happy. No, we're, <laughs> well, we're happy she's having a vacation yes. while we are here working. Uh-huh. Well, no, we're enjoying ourselves. We are. And we get to get to see Michael Clark, our producer, who's amazing. So anyway, so tell us a little bit. Why don't you uh, welcome our guest, Courtney? Yes. Welcome, Morgan Sugg. She is a Frisco resident. Her kids go to school with V's son, Fred, and she is an author, a newly published author. Mm -hmm. So she is going to walk us through her journey and how she's, I guess, gotten to be in the place that she's at now. So we're super excited. This is very inspiring. This will provide some insight for those that are wanting to maybe get their feelings and life's journey down on paper um i think it's really good for us to learn how people become published i mean not you know we think of all these famous authors and we we kind of forget there's so many opportunities for people to be an author and to to get their content out there so i'm very interested in that as well so welcome thank you i'm welcome, so excited welcome. to be here thank you for having beautiful me. lady also yes oh, very beautiful so tell us a little bit about yourself start um you know where you grew up and your childhood and things like that yeah i grew up in midland texas so out west um i grew up a pastor's kid my dad was a youth pastor he was also an insurance salesman so we kind of oh we got something in common yes, then. we are an insurance family um so we we i uh, grew up out there i um, after, you know, just a pretty normal childhood, me and my brother, we played sports. And then I actually, after high school graduation, I moved to Tennessee and went to school in Cleveland, Tennessee at Lee University. And there I received my um, uh, bachelor's degree in communications, public relations, and met my wonderful husband, Brad, there. And uh, we got married our last our last semester of college. And then after graduation, we moved to Texas. We moved to Frisco. Um, my parents had started a church, planted a church in Frisco. And so we decided to come on and join them and help them in that endeavor. Oh, wow. And we started as youth pastors there. I um, started working downtown Dallas for a public relations firm and was loving that and enjoying that learning so much. And then um, I got pregnant with our mm -hmm. first child. And so I decided to stay home. And we had two wonderful boys. Um, and then Jackson and Colin are their names. And um, stayed home with them for a little while. And then I went back to work. I started working in asset management actually after that and then got pregnant with my third son and um, who, his name is Harrison. Harrison. And in that time also, I received my master's degree in organizational leadership. And so I worked and worked and worked and then felt like it was time for me to transition out of that season and didn't really know what I was heading into. Um, you know, you can kind of feel when season starts mm -hmm. to change in your life. And and um, we just kind of get this feeling that things are moving and it's an exciting and can be sort of nerve wracking mm -hmm. at the same time because you don't know what really lies ahead, but you're just anticipating right. what might lie ahead. And so that's really where I was. And um, and then I settled on after some prayer and thought I settled on writing and writing a book that sort of told my story, but really focused on um, the things on the scripture and what God had brought me through and how he brought me through. So not glorifying my story, but glorifying him and how he worked through my my story and 
Well, and yep. so, you know, when you tell your kind of past, it seems like, you know, pretty cookie cutter, right? right. Like mm-hmm. there's, it's just like, well, you know, what, what led you to, to mm-hmm. want to have that on your heart to be able to share a story? Like I always think that at some point, and I think about like all of my life's events and I feel like I could write a book with everything that's gone on and I can pinpoint exactly like, like you said, the seasons and, and things that have transpired or events that happened, was there something in your life that had happened that kind of prompted you to feel the way that you did to want to put it on paper? Right. So I grew up in a Christian home. And then when I was 13 years old, I experienced tragedy at at a lake where um, somebody had passed away. And I write about this briefly in the, in the book and somebody died tragically that day. And that day I held his six week old son in my arms while his wife sat next to me. And all my views, my worldview of who God was, was rocked that day. My world was completely shaken. Any foundation I had was shaken. And moving forward as a 13-year-old girl that experienced this and saw this was very difficult. I never stopped loving God, but I had so many questions. Mm-hmm. And growing up in a believer's home, like a home where, a Christian home, it was almost wrong to question, like, I didn't want to say that I had doubts or I didn't fully trust God because that would almost appear wrong. And so growing up with that, I dealt with a lot of fear and anxiety. And um, after my our second son was born, I suffered from postpartum depression. And that fear and anxiety from my past coupled with the postpartum depression led me to a breaking point where I had to get help. And I was I had a wonderful doctor and my mom and my dad and my husband were came alongside of me and walked me through this this season. But I knew that something had to change and I had to come to a point where I didn't want to live with fear and anxiety anymore. So I went on a journey of healing. And this book really talks about healing. Mm-hmm. How do we heal from these really broken moments in our past? Morgan, can I just go back a little bit? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to your tragedy, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. While you were being raised, you went through this tragedy. Did you get any help for, to help you through this? And I know you question God, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody questions God when something tragic happens. It's it's natural. Say, why me, God, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what was your... Did did your parents help you through this process, through this journey, as you were 13 years old? Tell me a little bit of what you what So happened. my parents were not there that day, mm-hmm. and I was there with um, two sets of aunts and uncles that day. So they were there, and I think unless you were there, it was hard to grasp the reality of what happened. And so, no, I didn't get any external help. I didn't go see a counselor or a therapist. My parents wasn't that they were against that. I don't think they realized that that's probably what I needed. And so it was more of a, I'm sorry this happened. Let's pray about God giving you peace and not really dealing with deep, deep issues that could have set in from experiencing something like that. Um, I didn't, I knew now I know my parents didn't do that on purpose. They did the best that they thought right. they did what they thought was best. But I do recommend anytime that someone, I do recommend for anybody to go see a counselor or a therapist. I think that walking through that is walking through anything is healthy for us having an outsider's perspective. So if I could go back and redo something, it would definitely be seeing someone to walk through that. And then later on in life, I did talk to, I have talked to someone and, um, and walked through that a little bit. Yes. You know, it's interesting. So the last month of May, um, for my 14 year old was extremely stressful and she's, she was a freshman in high school. We're coming off of COVID year. She plays at a competitive level for basketball. She's taking college classes. She'll graduate with an associate's degree when she graduates high school. So she just has a lot on her plate. And she she called me one day from school and she says, 
hey, I'm just letting you know, like, I think something's wrong with me. I feel overwhelmed and I feel like my brain is not computing things the way it should. And so uh, my mom brain goes, well, you're going to be okay. Like you're just, you know, but then I start thinking of all the things that we hear about mental health and how this is how it starts. And I look at, you know, I've got an older daughter that turned to addiction and her and my uh, 14 year old are very similar in the sense that they were very perfectionist people. They struggle with anxiety. And I think that the older one channel that into prescription drug use to help suppress that. And I see some of that. So the next week we were at a counselor and we left that. And my daughter looks at me and she was like, I cannot believe that you you took me to somebody. I'm not crazy. I just felt overwhelmed. And I said, you know what? You may be mad at me now, but you'll look back on this and be thankful that at least you had the courage to say something to me. I took the opportunity to give you an outlet to talk to somebody like, and that's okay. We didn't make it a shameful thing. We didn't make it an issue. It was just an unbiased third party that can help sort through some stuff. And she was like, well, I'm good. I don't, I don't need to go back. And I mean, I don't know what else to do. I don't want to force it upon her and make somebody think that they're. But you made the right decision. I think I made the right decision decision. as much as she just, she's just been laying into me so much, but you know, it's just that age too. Well, yes. And, and, you know, we're talking about 13. So you, from 13 to your high school years, mm-hmm. were you rebellious? Were you uh, uh, were you were not- you a typical pastor's child? I wasn't overly re- overly rebellious. I mean, I did make mistakes mm-hmm. and did some things that I shouldn't have done, but I I never got in any serious trouble. Never, you know. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't I, like Footloose. I no, think of, when I, I think of pastors kids, crazy. I think of the movie Footloose. Yeah. Footloose, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I made my share of mistakes, but never. I mean, I really did try hard. I wanted to do what was right. I wanted to fully trust who God was, mm-hmm. but I, I struggled. Yeah, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't overly rebellious. When did you realize that you needed help? And, and as you as you were older, mm-hmm. my question, I think, is when you say you didn't trust God. Mm-hmm. So how long how long did it take you to get back into that position of saying uh, it's me that I, I'm rebellious of God because right. he did something very bad to somebody else? Yeah. Because us, we always blame God. Yeah, oh, why? Yeah. You know, I, I've heard people say, "I don't have any money. Why is God doing this to me?" Huh, you know, right? So these are so. What what happened in between that stage? Yeah, it was just a lot of soul searching and a lot of striving. I I strived really hard. I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to control everything. I felt like if I could control all my surroundings, then I could. Then I didn't need to fully trust God because I was in control. Mm-hmm. And that that like drove me to two kids later. It drove me to a breaking point. And that's when I had, I had to surrender. I had to mm-hmm. surrender that I was actually not in control of anything. And I had to really rely on the scripture and get some mental help to help have someone help me process my thoughts because an outsider's perspective into my thoughts was helpful because right. I'm all in my head, but somebody outside looking in was really helpful. But I had to get to a place where I realized I was not in control and that that whether whether it was God or whatever was in control there, I had I was not. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, ultimately, I came to the conclusion that God was fully in control and that he was trustworthy. But it was a process. It was a process to get there. But there was a lot of striving in the process, a lot of trying to be perfect in every area of my life. And that was my way of trying to control things since I didn't trust God to control them. So God rescued you. He did. He reached out and he rescued me. I was at a breaking point where I, I thought my life really wasn't worth living any longer. Oh, wow. wow. And, and God really did reach down and pull me, reach mm-hmm. down and rescue, rescue me. And, um, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And, 
Um, and I know that that's something that a lot of people struggle with. They, they deal with things that you just said something that really is just, you said you didn't think life was worth Mm -hmm. anymore. Did Mm -hmm. you talk, did you do something? Did you cause yourself to maybe commit suicide or you ever thought I had, I had thoughts of, of taking my own life. I had those thoughts. Those thoughts, um, were real. I had, um, you know, plans, things that I could do to do that. I thought I actually had the thought of thinking that my life was better off. My, my kids and my husband were better off without me. And isn't that crazy to think like, like now that you're in this place and you look back and can you even fathom like, like I can't, people have told me that I had a, a friend that she was going through a really tough time and she upped the coverages on her auto insurance, took out life insurance policies on herself and thought about driving her vehicle into a brick wall because she thought her kids would be better off without her. And we talk about that now. And she was like, I can't even believe that I was in such a space like that. It, it is a very surreal thing to think that I had thought that, that, that I believe that was truth and mm-hmm. that that was real. And to think now, like now that my mind is healthy mm-hmm. and whole, that that seems so absurd. Right. But it is real. It's but it is real. real. And that's what it's people struggle with. It's a very real lie that people believe. Well, you're listening to Alexander and Friends. Our show is sponsored by Miller Title, Roberto Perez. Please like our Facebook at Alexander and Friends 660. I'm here with Courtney and a very wonderful guest who is Morgan Sugg, who is an author, just a recent author. And we're, we're talking about her life and her uh, journey through a very difficult experience in tragedy when she was 13 years old up till she's an adult. So, um, Morgan, welcome to um, Alexander you. and Friends 660. You're about to make us cry here, and, and um, we just continue the subject. Yeah. What do you think, Courtney? Don't you think this is an amazing testament? It is, and it's out? just, it's real life, right? I life. mean, we're about life. Morgan's a mom, you know, she's a mom, and, and a she's got, yeah, right, and she's got three kids, and, and she um, experienced something in her childhood that, that resonated and followed for years and years, and it's it's you know we think that things that happen years ago don't affect us, but sometimes we compartmentalize and and they rear their ugly head. In and I think kind of the what you had mentioned when you went through postpartum with your second son that kind of brought out and exacerbated some stuff that you had internalized. So I think it's really good that we you know we've talked about mental health and checking in and checking in your strong friend because I'm sure then and I look at you now and I'm sure you were similar back then like you look like you have your stuff together Mm -hmm. like your kids are all you know squared away and you're the mom and you're doing all the things and and you know we forget that just because it seems okay on the outside doesn't necessarily mean it's okay on the inside so I appreciate you sharing that and and giving people especially other moms out there or if you're a grandparent and you feel like your child is struggling like this is a good opportunity to have that real open honest conversation being like hey it's okay to get help yeah so i appreciate that thank Thank you you. thank you um okay so let's talk a little bit about your book yes yes so i wrote this book forever in my goodness it is a testament um it tells part of my story in there but it is you'll have little fun stories of me and my family sprinkled in there um and of you know, a little bit of motherhood, but it is a book for both females and males. But it talks about God's goodness and what it looks like in our life and how do we experience that. And that was something that I had to see. I had to see that God was really good amid really dark situations. And you talk about, you know, we talk about these dark, hard things. We want to hide them away. But part of being able to see God's goodness and experience freedom and in a full and abundant life is being able to go to those dark places and allow healing there. And God's goodness is good to meet you there and heal and heal those dark places. If we open them, like it takes effort, right. it takes a lot of work to 
find healing. And it's hard, and right? Peace and, and go through those steps and those motions yeah. and relive all of those things that you've kind of buried or tried to forget. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that's important when, and especially if you feel like you have to have an outlet somewhere. Mm-hmm. When you were married, you were married, you were going through this dark, dark mm-hmm. times in your life. Yes. How did your husband deal with it? Would you have two children? Mm-hmm. How did your husband deal with the anxiety, the the PTSD, all this. I was, I, I have to think that he was right there with you all the way. Yes, he was right there with me all the way. There were definitely times he just sat there because he didn't know what to mm-hmm. do. He didn't know how to respond. Um, so he just sat there with me and he would pray with me or, you know, he would do everything he knew to do. But most importantly, he stayed and he didn't just up and leave because it got hard. Right. And um, that now looking back, I'm so grateful for his love just to be like in sickness and in health right like that that was put to the test during this time and he stayed true to his word and he stayed and i think that's the biggest thing even when he didn't know what to do he we talk about this at our church the power of presence being present with someone when things are hard sometimes we don't know what to say but being with people is important and that's what he did he just stayed with me and then when the time you know when it came to a a moment he and my mom helped me get help yes and are you still under uh, counseling? No, I'm not under counseling. No, no meds. And God, um, you know, really did a work in my life. And I and I am a believer that God can heal all these broken places where we can live this abundant life. I but I am a believer in doctors and medicine and of course, that, of those course. things. You know, mm-hmm. we have some of those things for a reason. Yeah. So. So your husband mm-hmm. is a associate pastor. Is yes, that correct? he's an associate pastor at and, our church. And what's the name of your church? Friendship Church in Frisco. Okay. And what's the name of your husband? His name is Brad. Brad. Mm-hmm. So do you uh, work with him at the church? Yes. And do you put programs together? Do you speak to uh, young people about this uh, subject? Yes. Yeah, so we we do all kinds of things at the church as associate pastors. We we do everything to help the pastor's vision come to fruition and. And so we do a lot of things. We help put programs in place. But um, I do. I speak to women a lot about these things, about living your life, living the purpose that God has called you to. I say this all the time. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And I was almost robbed of of Mm -hmm. that. And I don't want anyone to have to experience that. And I want them to live their life to the fullest, the way God intended it. And so I do. I speak to to women a lot about about this. And um, I have a, a program at the church. and. It's called the Flourish Gathering, and we meet once a month, and it's a girl. It's a fun girls' night out, but we we talk a lot about our purpose and how to live that out. And yeah, so those are these are byproducts of me finding healing and finding peace. So tell us, yeah, when did you start this the the journey to write your book, mm-hmm. and why did you write it? Right. So I I you know people talk a lot about I have everyone has a story to tell, right? We all have this story to tell. Everyone's story is important. Everyone's story is valuable because it changes things. Our testimony matters. And when I, I felt compelled to write about God's goodness, it was a journey. I'd never, I mean, I was a communications major, but I'd never written anything lengthy than like a page, you know, papers for a scroll. And so I didn't know how to write a book. So I had to one, learn how to write what what it took to write a book and then how to organize your thoughts and not glorify the necessarily the bad parts of my story, but glorify God in the scripture mm-hmm. and how he redeemed me in the story versus just telling the story. And I think that's a really key thing. When people want to write about something, we, we have all these stories to tell, but we can tell a story all day long. But 
what is the result and how did we get to this the, the better place and and i and so that's what the book focuses on goodness and god's goodness and not necessarily me or my story and there are stories sprinkled in but compelling i was compelled to write this because there are people that struggle there are people that have gone through really tragic hard things in their life and we have that question of why does a good god allow this to happen or how could god allow something bad to happen to somebody good and those are real questions that people have and this book attempts to answer that but in a very unique way not just well you know we'll figure this out one day because that you know we'll, we'll see one day how this is good because that doesn't bring healing and peace when we're grieving exactly. right now wow she's amazing yes so how does one go about a book what i mean what did you have to do to get to that point where you could actually i mean and you brought us all copies which yes, i'm so yes. excited about because i was yes. trying to um find it on amazon add it to my cart and then you whip these out of your <laughs> purse which i was so excited for so yeah t- tell us about that part so for me i was like google how do i write a book <laughs> <laughs> where do you um, go to Google. Um, no, there was, there's a really, so for me, I um, found Lisa Turkhurst in Proverbs 31 ministry. She has a conference called She Speaks, but she also has a community called Compel. And they give you all these teachings on how to write books or how to write a, start a podcast or how to do blogs. And um, so I did some of her teachings and just start, a lot of times they'll just tell you, just start writing. Use your writing muscles. The more you write, the better you get at it. Just like exercising. The more you exercise, the more it becomes natural for you. And so just started writing. And I did that. I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and then realized this was a mess and had to start over. And that's okay because that's what editing is for and we're practice, we practice. But you'll never get anywhere if you don't start. And another thing with writing a book is setting goals. So a typical Christian living type self-help type book is about 50,000 words. And so that seems very overwhelming. So to set goals, break things out, break things up in little segments so that it's doable. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a lot of people should write books. They have stories to tell. and But people don't know. It's overwhelming to start. So think 50,000 words is a lot. But if I write 1,000 words a week, you know, in a year, you could have a book written. Right. And make attainable goals for yourself. I scheduled out. I didn't plan to write during Thanksgiving or over when my boys were on holiday from school because I knew that wasn't realistic. And so I, you know, make attainable goals for yourself. And then I went to a writer's conference um, and scheduled, you know, a meeting with a publisher and gave a book proposal. Um, There are plenty of examples online for how to write a book proposal, but basically it's a little bit about you, a little about what you want the book to be. And then you can submit that to um, acquisitions editors for publishing houses and, I have a dear friend, Mary DeMuth, in Rockwall, Texas. She, she was a great mentor. She's written like 40 books. Wow. And she's really amazing. She's you know, published some. She's self-published some multiple ways. And she has a lot of insight into this publishing world. And so she kind of helped um, influence this journey as well of how to, how to write and publish a book. Awesome. Yeah. So where are you uh, right now in your books? Have you had your uh your book writing, uh, your book uh, sign- signing event yet or any of that? Yes. So the book launched on March 2nd. So we had a, a book launch party um, at our church and we had, a, you know, we big a big to do, a lot mm-hmm. of fun. And, and I had a big signing there and it was really nice just to celebrate with 
people who were along the journey with me. There were so many people that supported me and didn't tell me I was crazy. And they were there. And, and so it was fun to sit and sign and hug people's necks and, and tell them thank you. And yeah, so. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm assuming that you know your Bible very well because I'm looking at the book and you, you the, the first Testament and the second Testament. Mm-hmm. So you're doing real good on that. What is, uh, what do, if I wanted some information and I wanted, uh, or, or Courtney wanted some, something to guide me in my, what do you recommend in this book for me to read? Oh, um, because it's amazing. I'm the reading book. Yeah. the whole book. Ah. Read the whole well, and the thing, it's like, this is my perfect size book, yeah. right? Yeah. It's you can not read it easy. Yes. It seems like it's an easy read and it's, um, it's, it's perfect because sometimes I want to read a book, but then I look at it and I feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's where I've started to take my smaller books and actually read them before bed. But then when I'm in the car, I have my other books that are on audible that are the long ones that yeah. I can kind of just listen to where it's not going to, um, you know, cause I feel, I need to feel like I've accomplished something. And sometimes mm-hmm. when I get started on the bigger ones, I just, I struggle trying to make my way through and then I give up, but these are my favorite. So you did good already. You did um, good. Just looking at the presentation, I'm excited yes. to go yes. home and read well, it. I yes. think that, you know, if you're talking about God's goodness, it seems very theological mm-hmm. and, can be overwhelming. And that was the goal for it to be in a concise form, you know, something that seemed attainable to understand because my husband's a theo- like theologian. He went to school for that. I did not. And so to write something so heavy with scripture was, you know, a little bit overwhelming and a big task. And, um, and so I wanted it to, you know, be for the average person like me and like you to be able to read it and understand the scripture that goes with it, where it wasn't so overwhelming. And, um, but I will say the very first chapter, My Goodness is Honey, is is um, a really, really great chapter. Sopapillas are delicious, so, huh? Sopapillas are delicious. You know us <laughs> like Texans. That. That's the first thing I read. Sopapillas are delicious and simple. Well, Morgan, I way to read you this book. can find Forever in My Goodness on Amazon mm-hmm. and what other platforms? At Walmart.com or Barnes & Noble's online. You can find them at most uh, Books A Million, most major retailers. Excellent. And on my publisher's website at Leafwood. Um, my publisher, Leafwood, you can find it on their website as well. Excellent. Well, we thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, we are going to link the book, maybe the Amazon Walmart links to our Facebook. Go right. ahead and do that and see if we can um, help get this into people's yes. hands. Thank for you sure. so much. And that little, uh, we already did a little uh, teaser for, yes. for yes. her book. So we're so excited. Forever is Forever in my goodness. And uh, thank you so much for being here tonight. We're going to have them signed. We're going to make yes, sure she signs yes, our book. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much for listening to Alexander and Friends 660 The Answer. Please go and like our Facebook page so that we can have more people join our, our radio show. This show is brought to you by Miller Title, Roberto Perez, Texas. You've been listening to Alexandra and Friends, the podcast. Reach out to us on Facebook at Alexandra and Friends or write us an email, alexandraandfriends660 at gmail.com. Be sure to mark us as one of your favorite podcasts so you never miss an episode.